Dave Schultz back with another edition of Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. I host afternoons in Mobile, Alabama, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP, covering the South Alabama Jaguars, and prior to that, covering the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and doing mornings for 103.7 The Game. Today's episode of Lockdown Sunbelt is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code LOCKEDON and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. All right, Dave Schultz on Lockdown Sunbelt, your team every day. Uh, let's recap this South Alabama football game against Troy. Troy defeats South Alabama 10-6, to and I'm sorry, just no way, no way I saw this outcome coming. South Alabama averages 36 points a game. They scored 31 at UCLA. They just put up over 600 yards against ULM, 420 of that in the air. Troy shut the whole thing down. Troy gave up just 246 yards to South Alabama, 215 of that in the air. They could not run at all. Statistically, this game was very close. The score was 10 to 6. Troy dominated the football game. Troy absolutely dominated the football game. And yet they didn't they didn't convert a third down. You want to hear this? They didn't convert a third down until their final possession of the game. They converted it was a third and one, third and two. That was their first third down conversion all game long. They were 0 of 10 at that point in time. They finished 1 of 12. Carter Bradley, 29 of 40, 215 yards. He threw an interception. That was because he was under pressure. We did go into the game saying uh, that if they can protect Carter Bradley, South Alabama's going to you know, win and probably win easily. They did not protect Carter Bradley. He was under pressure all game long. They sacked him three times. One resulted or would have resulted in an interception. They got the interception. They don't get the sack. And South Alabama just couldn't do any good. And in a game like this, you only need to make two or three plays. And that's kind of what Troy did. South Alabama had a big play to uh, one tight end crumb. The other tight end called for holding. They had a diving catch by Devin Voison, overturned because the ball bounced. It kind of looked like it did. That was, the ball moved. What can I tell you? And then Carter Bradley had Devin Voison on a double move, wide open, touchdown, overthrew him by five yards. Any one of those plays goes the Jaguars' way, they win. All three of them go their way, they win in a blowout. They could not make a play when they had to make a play. The defense for South Alabama only gave up 266 yards. And Troy made plenty of mistakes. I mean, South Alabama made mistakes all night long. They, get, uh, they go three and out. I think they got one first down on their f- first possession. And they, uh, they force a three and out from Troy. They run into the punter. 15-yard penalty. South Alabama was behind the eight ball all night long. Listen to these drive uh, starts. 25, 12, 24, 11, 24, 7. <laughs> 20. They got a, uh, an interception from Yam Banks at the 47. Couldn't do anything with it. Started on their own 47. Then 26, 25 in the last drive at the end of the game was on their own 13-yard line. 
Both teams turn it over one time. Uh, but again, it, it's hard to imagine that you're telling me or I'm telling you that Troy dominated this football game. They absolutely dominated the football game. South Alabama, although having the ball, they had the ball with a chance to take the lead at the end, never really threatened. Never really threatened uh, in the second half. They had one big drive uh, in the second half. It resulted in a uh, field goal that at the time made it 7-6. to six. But Gunnar Watson, who replaced, uh, who replaced uh, Jared Dagey after he threw the interception, Watson... It's a big 35-yard pass to uh, Trez Johnson. And that set up a basically the game-winning points, if you want it, to be honest with you, um, because they got a 51-yard field goal. Busey misses a 36-yard field goal. He nails a 51-yard field goal. South Alabama still had time at the end of the ball game. Seven and a half minutes to go. Down by four. Uh, they Let's see where this started here. Started at the south uh, 25-yard line. They held it for four minutes, went 26 yards. They ended up getting a, uh, a second down loss with a run. They could just not run it at all. LaDainian Webb did not start, but he came in on the second play or third play of the game. This was all Troy. And, and the reason that this is, it's such an impressive win by Troy because they did exactly what they wanted to do where South Alabama is trying to run tempo and get into the line of scrimmage and trying to prevent substitutions and trying to, you know, speed things up. Troy just taking their time. They're running a four-minute offense the whole game. I mean, their first uh, three possessions, three and a half minutes, 5-13, 7-40 in the first half. The first 55 minutes or so of the first half, I'm sorry, the first... Uh, 25 minutes or so, 26 minutes or so of the first half took 55 minutes in real time. And then we had the end of the half. It always seems to take a while. So uh, congratulations to Troy. They win the battle for the belt five in a row. Troy improves to six and two, four and one overall. South drops to five and two, two and one overall. South's going to need some help if they're going to win uh, the division and or host the Sunbelt uh, Championship game right now. Obviously, Troy uh, is looking uh, large in the West. They're actually 4-1 and one in the conference. Uh, they will get, let's see here, Troy will get, uh, they'll be at the Cajuns in a few weeks. They get a week off. That's the other thing. We didn't really talk about that. John Summerall brought that up. They're beat up. They have not had the week off. South Alabama had the chance to get healthy, make corrections. Still had issues against ULM defensively and even offensively in the first half of that ball game and eventually hung on. And that's what the reason that this game is so infuriating or annoying if you're South Alabama is you didn't have to do much. Again, if you wanted to tell me that South Alabama wasn't going to score 36 points and lose 21-17 or 24-21 or something like that, all right. You could convince me of that. There's no way I thought that Troy would win this ball game, scoring 10 points in this game. I just never thought it would be that way. Never, no, no chance did I ever think that it was going to be um, a game dominated by Troy and win it 10 to six. I thought if they dominated, it'd still be 21 to 
17, 20 to 17, 24, 20, something along those lines where South Alabama just couldn't make a stop and Troy would get a stop here and a stop there, but they stopped South Alabama dead in their tracks. Really impressive job by Troy. Just did not see that coming. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's take a timeout. We will uh, recap the Georgia State App State game that happened on Wednesday night, and we'll preview the rest of the conference as well. And then you're going to hear from David Hall from the Virginia Pilot of uh, talking ODU. All right, we did another interview with an Old Dominion guest. Uh, you are listening to Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. This episode... <clears throat> This episode of Locked On Sunbelt is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season. It's incredibly easy to get started and easy to play while you're watching college football. All right, I'm going to hop on South Alabama. I like the wide receivers. Jalen Wayne, 74 and a half yards. I'm going to go higher. Colin Lacey, 76 and a half yards. I'm not necessarily sure they're both going to get 100, as three South Alabama wide receivers did last week including Devin Voison, but I do think that Wayne and Lacey probably both get somewhere in the 80 to 85 range. You can go to Underdog to make your own picks just like I did. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just your team, and decide if they will finish higher or lower. One of the easiest fantasy games to play out there, and you can win cold, hard cash in a single game. Sign up with the promo code LOCKEDON, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy promo LOCKEDON, one word. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. We do have David Hall on from the Virginia Pilot. He will be talking uh, Old Dominion. Uh, they had a huge win over Coastal Carolina last week, uh, and they will be hosting a Georgia Southern uh, this week. ODU leads the Eastern Division in the Sun Belt at 2-0 heading into this weekend's ballgames. Did not have the best of all weeks last week. I did go 2-4. and four. I did change my mind on the Cajuns, admittedly, but I did tweet it out. You can check it out. Louisiana does cover over Marshall uh, 23-13. Marshall was favored at home. South Alabama at one point in time was winning 41-20 to to begin the fourth quarter, but ULM scores a couple of fourth quarter touchdowns. South Alabama runs out the clock, and uh, they do not cover. South Alabama wins, so I took that loss. I did have Texas State covering against Troy, but Troy does the same thing as South Alabama does. Runs out the final 5-28 uh, and hangs on to defeat the Bobcats 17-14, but not a bad job, not a bad showing by Texas State on the road. Uh, I did have James Madison covering double digits over Georgia Southern, and Georgia Southern ends up winning the ball game at home. Uh, and I also had Coastal Carolina covering double digits over ODU, and that didn't go my way either. Uh, and uh, Southern Miss does win, but they don't cover. They certainly don't care. They had they came from a two-score deficit in the fourth quarter alone, scoring two touchdowns in the final 12 minutes uh, to win that ball game. So last week I went two and four, and. 14 and 11 overall due to just a crazy week this week with Sunbelt Basketball Media Day down in New Orleans uh, and the Thursday night ball game, South Alabama uh, and Troy just, you know, I wasn't paying attention, I guess would be my excuse. I did not pick App State over Georgia State. Let's see what the line uh, would have been or what the line was. I'm not going to take credit for it. I probably would have picked App by nine, it was nine and a half, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm, I'm 
I'm taking credit uh, for that game. But let's quickly recap and before we preview the rest of uh, the weekend's matchups. Georgia State was up in this ballgame 14-0 and had the football. Not once, not twice, but three times. App State could do nothing with uh, the football. They got one first down on their first possession. They got one first down on their second possession. They were three and out on their fourth possession. They had one first down on their fifth possession, and they went three and out after that. It was still 14-0. All of a sudden, App State's defense took over, and Georgia State couldn't do nothing either. And then, like last week, almost, but not quite, with ODU scoring touchdowns on six consecutive possessions, App State in the second half, with some help with some turnovers, they scored on five straight possessions and overall six out of seven. They pulled within 14-7 on their second-to-last possession of uh, the first half. Uh, they ran out of time to end the half, so they're down 14-7 at half. Georgia State fumbles to begin the second half. Touchdown, App State. Georgia State punts, touchdown, App State. Interception by Georgia State, or interception from Georgia State, touchdown, App State. Georgia State with a field goal, touchdown, App State. Georgia State punts, touchdown, App State. So uh, it went from 14-0, and Georgia State with a chance, multiple chances to make it a three-score game. App State scores 42 of the next 45 points, uh, and they defeat uh, Georgia State. App State is now four and three overall, two and two in the conference. Georgia State falls to two and five in the conference, and or I'm sorry, two and five overall, one and two in the conference. Uh, App State technically is fourth in uh, the East. Old Dominion two and zero. Oh. Coastal Carolina, James Madison three and one each. App State is uh, two and two behind those three uh, teams. All right, let's uh, preview the rest of this weekend's action. Uh, Louisiana hosting Arkansas State. Arkansas State, as mentioned, blew a 19-7 lead to Southern Miss. Cajuns coming in, having beaten Marshall on the road. Cajuns going back with Ben Wooldridge as starting quarterback. The big question for UL is, will Chris Smith be back? I thought it was just a hamstring. I thought it was just a cramp when he heard it against uh, South Alabama, but apparently a hamstring, grade two. He's listed as questionable. I'm going to say he's probably not going to play. If he's listed as questionable a day or two beforehand, probably not going to play. Uh, I'm still going to take the Cajuns to cover the six and a half over Arkansas State. Uh, Monroe heading up to West Point, second team uh, from the Sun Belt this year, heading uh, to upstate New York. Georgia State went up there and got their first win uh, over Army this year. Army is a six and a half point favorite. I'm thinking Army wins, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Monroe pulls off the upset. I'm sticking with the Sun Belt. I'm taking the Warhawks. Give me that six and a half points. Uh, James Madison and Marshall, both teams coming off losses. Marshall to Louisiana and James Madison to Georgia Southern. Thundering Herd have now lost three out of four since beating Notre Dame. Their only win, 28-7 to Gardner-Webb. I think James Madison is not happy with the way they played, especially defensively. Uh, I think they will take down uh, Marshall as the Dukes cover the 12 and a half points. ODU with a huge win over Coastal. We mentioned it already. Uh, the, uh, they scored on six straight possessions, scored touchdowns on six straight possessions. As Coastal, every time they scored, they could not stop uh, the Monarchs from getting back on the board. Blake Watson had, what, 250 yards uh, last week versus the Chanticleers. Uh, the Eagles, uh, meanwhile, did hand James Madison their first loss. I think Georgia Southern goes into uh, Norfolk and gets the win. 
I'm going to take Georgia Southern with the points. Give me the two and a half. And I will take Georgia Southern uh, not only to cover, but to come away with the victory. Southern Miss on the road, favored up uh, by two and a half over Texas State. That's interesting because Texas State's wins are all at home. Uh, Bobcats did a good job keeping it close against Troy last week. Uh, lost 17-14, their best effort on the road. Uh, they had a couple of chances, couldn't get it done. And then uh, Troy runs out the clock, as I mentioned, 5-28. I'll have to go in the game. Southern Miss had that incredible comeback against Arkansas State, uh, and uh, and now they are favored on the road versus Texas State. It's going to be a good ball game. Uh, I think uh, Texas State does cover uh, and probably wins the ball game at home, but uh, Southern Miss uh, is having a fine uh, season uh, right now in uh, the Sun Belt. All right, let's take a timeout. We will be back with the Virginia Pilots, David Hall, talking ODU, uh, Ricky Ronnie, uh, and the Monarchs' big win over Coastal Carolina. Had a good conversation uh, with David, a little bit different than what we did with Ted, Ted Alexander. How do you go about building a program uh, in Norfolk? And where do you recruit from? Uh, and all those kinds of things. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation we have with David Hall. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Sunbelt, your conference every day. Uh, let's talk more. Old Dominion Monarchs they had a huge win over Coastal Carolina last weekend. We bring in from the uh, Virginia pilot, uh, David Hall. Uh, tell us about the shocking win and what the reaction was uh, to the victory. Not only, I guess, the victory, but how impressive it actually was, David. You know, the, the reaction among fans, I think, was was one of shock. But in the program, nobody was surprised. Just like it, it was exactly like with the week win win over Virginia Tech which stunned everybody in the world who was not in that locker room. Uh, I remember that night, the quarterback, Hayden Wolf, told me, this is not an upset. No, we, nobody on this team is surprised that we beat Virginia Tech. And I think they felt exactly the same way about beating Coastal Carolina. Even though, keep in mind that this ODU team was 2-3 and three going into this game. Co Coastal was 6-0, and oh, had won nine straight dating back to last year, including a, including a bowl game. And – uh, again, nobody outside the locker room expected it, but the, they, it seemed it was business as usual after that game. I guess beating Coastal Carolina is one thing. Scoring six straight touchdowns is another. I mean, offensive plans are great, but they usually don't work. They're not that effective. Someone had to be a little bit either surprised or impressed that it worked so well. Impressed is the right word. And, and, um, hmm. Relieved, I suppose, because it, I asked the, the head coach, Ricky Ronnie, after the game down in Myrtle Beach, is, is this the, the ideal version of your offense? Is this what you had, had in mind all along? And he said, yeah, when, when we're able to, to have explosive plays, they had six third downs in that game, which is unheard that. of. That's yeah. unheard of, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's what they want to do. They want to avoid – like. Forget keeping the you know moving the chains on third down. They don't even want to see third down. They want first right. and second down to 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 uh, overshadow the the possibility of a third down. So yeah, it was that was what they've been waiting for. And, and I don't even think it's fair to say it's been it's what they've been waiting for all year. It's what they've been waiting for since Ronnie's first game last season. So are they more of a running team? Because Blake Watson had a ridiculous game, right? It's over 200 yards on all of 18 carries. It was a human first down and a half. 
I mean, it's great if you get four or five yards of carry. It's another thing if you're getting 14 yards of carry. Uh, do they want to be balanced? You know, do they throw the ball? Or, you know, are they complimentary? How do they want to? How do they want to have their offense? They want, in in Ricky's words, to paraphrase, they want to be able to run the ball when they want to. They want to be able to do the RPOs when they want to. They want to be able to drop back and pass when they want to. So, in other words. Their, their brand, if you will, is to uh, impose their will on, on defenses. They, I don't think you can say they're a running team or they're a passing team. They, they want to be able to do everything, and they want to be able to do it when they feel like it, which is, <laughs> I, I guess, ideal for any coach. But, I mean, that's, that's what they're trying to do, and that they succeeded on Saturday. Any idea what he said to the team the day after the game when they're going over film? Did he have anything to point out? Did someone, you know, not run the correct route or something like that? What could he have complained about after after they didn't score a touchdown on the first possession or something? What's he I complaining can, about? <laughs> I, I can tell you. He always has complaints. He complained sure. about some touchdowns they left on the field, some plays they should have <laughs> made. He complained. He said, uh, we did great on offense. We did great on defense. They had seven sacks. Coastal had been sacked seven times all season. Oh, wow. And they doubled, you know, they doubled Coastal's uh, season total. Uh, but he said the special teams was just average. And usually they, they do really <laughs> well on special teams. And, and, and in fact, he said uh, on su at Sunday's practice, what the, his complaint was that they had some situations where they had a short field on fourth down couple of times and had to punt and the punter is really good at, at nailing the ball in, uh, inside the 10 yard line. He has two guys down there waiting to catch it or, or knock it down. And they failed twice and went to the end zone. Mm -hmm. And he said they worked on that many times Sunday at practice and they were perfect. And he felt a lot better about it. So he, yeah, he's always got complaints no matter what. <laughs> well, that's a coaching thing. Yeah. Uh, we're talking yeah. to David Hall from the Virginia pilot about the ODU Monarchs. Were the sacks a result of uh, pressure or was it good coverage and Grayson McCall was caught holding the ball? Because he'll take off and run, obviously. And the stats that I saw, Grayson McCall still had Grayson McCall stats, but they just, you know, the defense never got a stop. They could never get back in that football game. But were the sacks the result of, you know, a lot of pressure or the pressure eventually getting to McCall because of good coverage? Uh, it's funny you, you should ask me that because I asked Ricky that um, at his Monday press conference uh, just about how, the way I put it to him is <clears throat> coaches must love half sacks because that means more than one person is touching the quarterback. Right. More, you know, more than one person is bringing him down. And he, he said, you know, the, the guys argue about that. They, the guys say, Oh, I had his leg, but you had his arm. I should get most of the credit. You should get a quarter sack, a whole, a whole bunch of stuff like that. But then he, in all seriousness, he said, these were team, these were team sacks. Because one guy taking out the guard sets another guy free to come inside. A right. uh, guy covering in the, in the defensive backfield gives the defensive end time to come in and, and get the quarterback. So, I mean, there, it is a synergy. It's, it's a whole bunch of dudes working together all toward the same goal of taking down this guy with the football. And they happened to do it right seven times the other day. Is it is it a four man rush or are they blitzing? How do they? Is it are they just getting it's pressure a, with the guys up front? They oh, they they do all kinds of looks and that I mean that's by design to to keep them guessing. I, I did have Ted Alexander on earlier in the week. How did Coastal Care? Not Coastal. How did ODU 
end up in the Sun Belt? Well, some teams, I think it was four teams left Conference USA, which was a bad fit for ODU to begin with. ODU had been in Conference USA for eight years um, with the the conference stretched as far west as El Paso, Texas, which is is (laughs) basically across the country. I mean, let's face it, it's almost to California. Um, And it was just, it was a terrible fit. Uh, there, there were no natural rivalries. People didn't care if UA, you know, University of Alabama, Birmingham, came here to play. That like they they couldn't sell tickets to that. So they started examining where they might go, and it turned out the Sun Belt was gathering steam to get programs like James Madison, which is a perfect perfect fit in terms of rivalry. It's you know not far from here. Um, it, it, it just made a lot of sense to play local teams like Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina. And, and it's one thing to sell tickets to it. It's another to be able to ride buses to these places as opposed to chartering a plane. Right. And, you know, the football team charters a plane to go to El Paso. The women's tennis team does not. They're on a <laughs> charter flight with everybody else. The, the men's soccer team, too, these non-revenue sports. Um, so it just instead of flying your uh, swimming team to El Paso, you can drive it to Appalachian State. So it right. saves a fortune. And when you multiply that by what is it, fifteen sports, something something sure. like that, it it adds up. It saves a whole bunch of money. So yeah, that no, that's no. why they they ended up moving. And I think I everybody's happy with it. Well, yeah, tell us about that, because I think that Sunbelt, I, I was kind of shocked and then very impressed with the teams that they got. Uh, they kind of left Louisiana Tech behind. That's uh, Louisiana politics, because I think somewhere along the way, you know, they wanted Louisiana Tech in or else maybe the Cajuns kind of wanted to be in Conference USA or the AC. And then Louisiana Tech said, no, we're better than you. And then all of a sudden, Louisiana Tech is left behind and ULM doesn't want Louisiana Tech in there. The Cajuns don't want you, uh, uh, La Tech in there. And and now uh, they got some good rivals with Southern Miss and, and Troy and South Alabama are great rivals. And Southern Miss is actually closer to to Mobile than Troy is. Um, tell us about the other teams, like you said, uh, that, that joined. James Madison is a good one. They're not too far away from Marshall. Tell us about the yeah. other teams that uh, that are in that eastern uh, division. If if Old Dominion had a rival in Conference USA, it was Marshall. So Perfect. it's it's a great thing that, that for for the, both programs I think the Marshall came along and JMU is an old rival in a lot of sports and the fact that JMU is really good in football and has been for five to ten years now um, helps. I know JMU lost this past weekend, but it, when believe me, when the Dukes come to Norfolk people will be in the seats. Um, when Marshall comes to Norfolk, people will be in the seats and vice versa. When those teams, when ODU travels to those teams, those, those will be games that people circle when the schedule comes out. Um, it's this, the Sun Belt is as happy with these uh, additions as the additions are with the Sun Belt. It's, it's such a mutual win. And uh, you know, the, the, 
everybody is thrilled about it. Now we're looking ahead. And I, I did this with Ted Alexander as well. There is a chance that South Alabama and ODU meet on the final weekend of the uh, regular season to determine home field advantage. Uh, if it works out a certain way, David, you're going to spend a week in mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. That. I've never been to mobile. So, uh, it's always cool to go somewhere new. Uh, All right. So um, this past Wednesday was a Sunbelt Media Day for basketball. Tell us about uh, ODU basketball. I seem to have a memory. I don't know how long you've been there, but somewhere along in my memory, ODU was really good or Syracuse was really good. And ODU beat a, a highly ranked Syracuse team. I'm talking about like late 70s, early 80s, like the Louie and Bowie show. I, I don't know why <laughs> I remember that. Uh, but I do remember that. I also have to, I said, I know Mark Wassinger in the old dominion uh, hall of fame. I forgot to mention Scott Jackson. I know Scott Jackson, a uh, local broadcaster in DC who, uh, you know, another alum from ODU. How is the basketball team? Uh, that's a great question. And, uh, in the, as a tribute to Ricky Ronnie, the, the ODU football coach and his philosophy, which is, and <laughs> If you interview a play, Ricky or a player or an assistant coach, every single time you will hear the following phrase. We're just trying to go one and oh. They say, you know, if you ask about season expectations, do you think you're going to make a bowl game? We're not worried about that. We're trying to go one and oh. And they don't even mean the game. They mean one and oh at today's practice, one and oh at today's study hall, one and oh in classes. So, I'm going to cop out and say, I'm going to go one and zero with this. I'm still in football mode. Sure. I know something about the basketball team. I know they lost a bunch of players. Okay. I know they got a couple of really good guys coming back. Um, I know that Jeff Jones is a great coach, a great Mm. basketball mind uh, with a proven track record. He's been to the NCAA tournament. Um, This is Virginia's Jeff Jones, right? Former Virginia point guard and former okay. Virginia coach. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just making sure people um, understand. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, and uh, the man knows what he's doing. He is, we've had in, we've had deep conversations about the transfer portal and what it's done to the game and how you can't uh, recruit and sign a freshman unless he's going to play right away. Because if you recruit a kid to develop him, you develop him for two years, all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute, I could probably play in the ACC. And there he goes to Clemson. Like you, it, you got to get guys who are ready to play, whether that is a freshman or whether it's a fifth year senior or whether it's a Juco guy. Um, And he, 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 I think he's, he's starting to master that. So I think the Monarchs in basketball, to ultimately answer your question and not cop out, I think they'll be competitive this year. Um, I think I'm, – I'm not sure the Sun Belt is as strong as Conference USA was in basketball. So it, that could be a good move for ODU. Right. Yeah, Georgia State is usually the, uh, the power on, on that side of the, of the conference. All right, we'll wrap it up with David Hall from the Virginia Pilot talking ODU. Yeah, how did Ronnie Rain um, – uh, Ricky Ronnie, sorry, Ricky Ronnie. How did he handle? Yeah, not the first guy who's probably done that. Um, how did he handle the off week in terms of practice and giving these guys uh, a little bit of time for their bodies to rest? That the off week was the <clears throat> excuse me the week leading up to the coastal game. So I, <laughs> that alone says he handled it well. Um, right, right. He he and his staff all scattered uh, and recruited 
Ricky went to Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland, Delaware, New York City. Uh, he caught up with his mother on the way back from New York, he, and she had a whole bunch of advice. Maybe you should run the ball a little more. Maybe your quarterback should run some more. She's, <laughs> she's seen a lot of footballs, Ricky says. Sure. Uh, but then they, uh, they, at practice, once they resumed, they gave their reserves a bunch of work in an effort to see if there's anyone who could help them this season who they have not identified yet. And I think they did identify a couple of people. They rested their starters because, as Ricky said, this is a physical game and we demand a lot of them. So it was mostly rest rest for the guys who, who play the most. And looks like it worked. I mean, for goodness sakes, 49-21 over an undefeated team on the yeah, road. It, sh- it sure did. Where, uh, what is the, uh, the recruiting base uh, for ODU? Because a lot of athletes, everybody knows, comes right out of that Virginia base, that Virginia Beach area. It is a loaded, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone knows Allen Iverson, right? Um, yep. David Wright? David Wright. I think. And then did we have a couple of twins? Michael Kadire. Uh, the Upton brothers, the Upton brothers. Yeah. The Upton brothers. That's right. Don't, yeah. don't forget a fellow I talked to recently, Bruce Smith, who's in the NFL. The oh, no kidding. Okay. Bot-tech. Okay. All right. So no, they don't get so me much better than Bruce Smith. No, I, 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 yeah. And I, yeah, I think they beat my orange when they weren't quite, <laughs> uh, they weren't quite Bot-tech yet, but he was there. Um, what, uh, so where else do they try to recruit besides trying to keep kids uh, at home, which is, is not generally easy because, you know, kids want to experience something else. Well, something I've found uh, over the years in, in doing this for a while is that when coaches come in from somewhere, they tend to have a lot of context where they came from. So Ricky was the offensive coordinator at Penn State. Mm. He knows a whole bunch of people in Pennsylvania and around that area, um, in Ohio and Maryland, like the surrounding states, New York. Uh, not only that, most of his staff came from Penn State. Not, not coordinators and, and even full position coaches, but a lot of guys who were analysts and, and GAs, things like that. Um, but they, the, the staff has deep Penn State ties. Now, that being said, Ricky understands the major importance of getting in high schools here. Sure. And um, it, it's not just his assistants going to these high schools. He said himself after the bye week, um, the, my staff has finally realized that I can go out by myself and get into high school. I still remember how to do that. So right. he right. still, he went to a high school football game, uh, the Saturday of the bye week <clears throat> drove back that night talking to his mom and then had practice on Sunday. So he, he, he's also <clears throat> up for anybody from anywhere. <laughs> like he's, he's not, he's, we, I talked to a guy this week from Oklahoma um, who came here. He was at a JUCO, spent last, last season, he played a JUCO season in the spring, got on ODU's radar because of a relationship between his JUCO coach and one of Ricky's staffers here, transferred to ODU and played in the fall. So in other words, in one calendar year, he played in a spring season and a fall season. And now as a starter this fall, a real good player. Um, and I asked him, being from Oklahoma, 
had you ever seen the ocean before you came here? And he, right. he saw it one time when he was like 10 years old, he, he went to Florida. Right. But other than that, he had not. Right. Um, but he came here up, and this, I'm finding this to be true more and more often. He came here sight unseen. Mm. Think about how many guys were recruited during, at the height of COVID. That's right. And could not come for a visit. Couldn't, you know, could not get on a plane or would, didn't want to get on a plane didn't want to mingle with a, a, an unfamiliar football team once they got here. So Ricky, I know at one point, Ricky, no, it was Jeff Jones, I believe, the basketball coach, who was driving around in a golf cart with a phone showing a recruit the campus. <laughs> that was recruiting. That's awesome. Yeah. Like That's over great. here is our practice facility. Here's our arena. What else could you do? So yeah, a lot of a bunch of dudes are here from Texas and, and Oklahoma and, and elsewhere just because ODU is a program on the rise. Right. You can't yeah. argue that. Absolutely not. All right. And I'm very familiar with that uh, local talent in central Pennsylvania. I'm so old, I saw Shady McCoy play high school football. And the high school doesn't wow. exist, and he's retired from the NFL already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's David All from the Virginia Pilot. Thank you so much for coming on Locked On Sunbelt, your conference every day. We'll do it again uh, soon. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime, man. Okay, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. Uh, quite the already the early week with uh, App State coming from behind to route Georgia State and uh, Troy winning the battle for the belt for the fifth straight year, beating South Alabama Thursday in Mobile. We'll recap all of the games on Monday. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in and uh, downloading and subscribing and rating and reviewing. We do sincerely appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. You've been listening to Lockdown Sunbelt, your team every day.